Happy Friday, everyone. I know it's freezing out there for you desert rats. So cozy up with our hot takes today. I'm here with co-host David Figler and contributor Andrew Corrali, creator of The List.Vegas. And today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking about why local businesses are still mad about F1, the giant Dorito on the Luxor, and what we should build on the old Fiesta Henderson site. It's Friday, January 12th. I'm Sarah Lohman, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hey. All right. <laughs> So we've got some things to cover today, including the fact that it snowed. I got snow in Henderson. What about y'all downtown? Uh, no, oh, it's not just yet. cold and not miserable. Just, just cold and windy. Miserable. The I think dog we a... took one look and said, nope. Yes. <laughs> Came right back in. Yes. I, my cat and I do go on walks every morning, and it was a very short one today. All right. Well, let's talk about some citywide issues today. So it seems that F1 wasn't all that it promised, and some local businesses are still pretty mad at it. Andrew, do you have the the deets on that? I do. I do. Yeah. Now that the the microplastic tire dust has uh, settled from the (laughs) November F1 race, um, it seems there's a bit of sort of outrage-flavored soul-searching going on as Las Vegans consider the real costs of hosting the race. So, uh, sure, the race supposedly brought in $1.2 billion or whatever, you know, for the local economy. But to uh, to mangle a quote from William Gibson, uh, yeah, the money may be here, but it's not exactly evenly distributed. So I call this uh, vroom bust. Um, so most <laughs> recently on Tuesday, a local business advocate, Lisa Mayo DeRiso, she urged the LVCVA to remove the temporary bridge on Flamingo that's still impacting small businesses. And she also asked them to create a $23 million recovery fund to pay back a clutch of businesses that lost out during F1 weekend due to road oh, closures, wow. traffic diversions, and blocked entrances. And so- Oh, not just um, not so, just the weekend, like all the lead up to it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great yeah. clarification. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a sort of a, an echoing impact. And I think uh, Lisa DeMaio-Riso's ask is kind of like the pinnacle of this, you know, this chorus of complaints from other local businesses, um, some pretty high profile ones. Um, Gino Ferraro of Ferraro's Italian Restaurant um, said he lost like $2 million uh, due to F1. Whoa. Um, the producer of Absinthe, uh, you know, wrote a, an open letter, you know, complaining about the impact. So bigger businesses and smaller businesses from gas stations to convenience stores uh, that say that F1 put their businesses into neutral during the race weekend phenomenon. Um, yeah. And when mm. Gino Ferraro complains of Ferraro restaurant, um, you know, something's up because, uh, you know, he's a hardcore businessman, just, you know, does this thing, has built his restaurant into, a, you know, kind of a, a cool institution down there. Um, so, yeah, uh, F1 was was not the, you know, the grand success that was, you know, trumpeted mm. by the the countless headlines in the, in the wake of the of the of the race. OK, I mean, it seems pretty clear that it's the big four casino companies that were the real winners here. Right. Um So why aren't they paying up or, you know, who owes who owes whom what in the wake of F1? And, uh, you know, is that calculation even possible to make? Like, how do the restaurant owners know that they've lost so much money? Well, interesting side note. I know that the county right now who 
uh, is still on the receiving end of even more of an ask from F1. They still need like $40 million or something like that, is doing its own assessment, like hardcore audit of how much it costs the county to allow F1 to happen during oh, that wow. ramp up period and the weekend itself. And I think the idea there is that the county's going to say, um, uh, you want $40 million, you cost us $60 million, so let's just call it even. You know, whatever uh, yeah. it is. I mean, I, I just made up those numbers, as most of the analysts who are talking about economic impact do. Look, it, it's it's capitalism. There's going to be winners mm-hmm. and losers. Um, it, it's it's interesting that people are, you know, saying, well, we want our share, too. What about us? What about yep. us? Yep. But I think that a lot of people would have that position, not just this small group of business people represented yeah. by um, the 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 ever intriguing Lisa DeMaio Riso. Uh, who's the real winner here because the RJ has now called her a Southern Nevada business development executive. Um, just Google her. She's she's a hoot. The causes that she jumps in for are just wild, and she is very voracious in that. Eclectic, to, shall we say. Eclectic, yeah, yeah. But at any rate, um, you know, I would imagine every commuter would be like, uh, I'll jump in on a class action suit. I was delayed. I lost my job because of F1. You know what I mean? It's like right, there was right, a right. lot of impact that isn't going to be discussed. It's nice that these specific owners have kind of bonded together. But I think a lot of people in the city could do the same. Andrew, what do you think? You know, is this calculation even possible to make? Actually, I kind of think it is. Uh, I mean, it's not as complicated a moral calculus as maybe people think. And I think what we're seeing here is corporate mm. socialism. We got a, like a front row seat to corporate socialism in real time. And, and that's when you have big companies that privatize the profits, but socialize the costs of doing their, their business. And so between the F1 asking the county for, you know, to kick in 40 million for to, to help pay for the race repaving. And then, um, you know, Lisa Mayo asking the LVCVA to kick, you know, to kick in money for economic recovery for, you know, to fund small businesses. Um, that's how kind of like, you know, mega corporate modern capitalism works. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's not yeah, like, yeah. but like, you know, the, the crazy idea is the most reasonable one. Why can't F1 pay into that recovery fund? Or why yeah. can't the big four pay into that recovery fund? Why can't F1 foot the entire repaving bill as, you know, the cost of, you know, putting on this, you know, this huge spectacle. And I feel like, you know, there's this, you know, uh, like cities and municipalities are frightened of these, you know, gigantic companies that basically, you know, want to put on these huge spectacles. And it's this race to the bottom where, you know, cities are afraid to ask for anything because they're afraid that they'll, you know, that this, you know, this company will just move on to the next town. And, you know, it's kind of a race to the bottom. Thankful for them. Right. Right. Bakersfield's like, object more. We want it. (laughs) Bakersfield. Exactly. And it's like, why can't there be some sort of like common good cover charge for these huge spectacles that, you know, come in and chew up our infrastructure and create massive headaches for, you know, for working people um, to pay, you know, in an anticipatory way, you know, to to, to cover these impacts that we all we all feel. And so uh, I'm glad that we're having this this kind of, you know, reflective moment because it shows that despite the yeah. headlines, like success, you know, tied to a number is not success for all. And it's not exactly democratically yes. distributed, I guess you would say. Speaking of out of control capitalism and large sporting events, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the Super Bowl is right around the corner. What? So I, yeah, yeah, we're hosting it this year. Can you imagine? What? So do we think we're gonna? That's gonna have the same sort of impact on local businesses that F1 did. 
do we even have a place where they could do the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thought experiment, and and on the face of it, I mean, it, it, it you know, I don't know that the Super Bowl is going to require some massive infrastructural, you know, makeover of the area, right? We have the stadium, right? You know, we have Shift. the roads. That's we, already we presume done. We have right? the parking, right? And um, so it's going to be huge. I think that's going to be, you know, great for the city. But the thing that's different about Super Bowl and that it has in common with our other big events, like. You know, uh, you know, Electric Daisy Carnival, National Finals Rodeo, maybe even CES, mm. is it actually has a common pop culture appeal where people get it, you know? And there are other ways to be part of it mm-hmm. outside of the event proper, right? There are satellite events and you That's know, viewing parties. And it has this, you know, sort of like general cultural cachet. So I feel like people can participate in it more. And that gives me the feeling that it will be, you know, sort of like more, you know, sort of economically, you know, you know, spread out. I mean, the big thing about F1 is it scared a lot yeah. of people off, right? Uh, the, who said, oh my God, this thing's like, sounds like such, yeah. you know, an intensive nightmare that I'm just going to avoid Vegas for a minute. It took and over. And let them do their thing. Right, yeah. right. And so I think there's something more invitational, you know, ab- about the Super Bowl that I'm not as, you know, concerned about the, uh, the, the impact on the everyday people like us. There is something to be said for just like being in the city where it's happening, even if you might be going to like a local sports bar or something else on the strip rather right. than the game itself. What yeah, do you think, Fiddler? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, I don't I don't I don't want to be a naysayer about these big events coming to Las Vegas. There is good economic impact. It does create jobs. I don't think anyone is saying that. It's just the question is, is it fair? Is it holistically thought about? Is it planned in a thoughtful way? The answer, mm. of course, always is not really sort of we're not good mm. at that. But <laughs> I mean, when you talk about Super Bowl, Super Bowl is always a big weekend in Las Vegas. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's going to be even bigger now it's here. But yeah, people have been coming to Las Vegas during Super Bowl weekend for decades because of just, I mean, just like March Madness, just like other sporting events that, you know, already was a draw. So I think in a lot of ways, Las Vegas is sort of used to an influx. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a lot different because the the, the party is actually here. Right. You know, you right, look outside right. the window and you see what you see on your TV, you know, and it's another opportunity for Vegas to promote itself for free to the world like it did with F1. I mean, that also is kind of an interesting metric just about the exposure of how fun our city still is and is continuing to be, right? And that's going to have a good Great impact. Um, but yeah, you know, there will also be losers over the Super Bowl weekend. And mm. do we ever really think about those type of economic impacts and maybe Vegas should be better at that by now. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden-up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. 
right. Well, speaking of commercialization of the strip, I noticed uh, last night that the side of the Luxor was now just an advertisement for Michelob Light. But that's (laughs) not the craziest advertisement that's been up there recently. So, David, can you tell us more? Yeah, it was a giant Dorito chip. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very lifelike, too, uh, to the extent that, yeah, if Godzilla was around, it would have taken a bite. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Um, So, yeah, there was a uh, there was a blog uh, entry uh, not long ago pointing that out uh, on a sort of a sports bro site that was Mm. really interesting. And it, it sort of pontificated that. The sphere has changed the game for Las Vegas in the world of marketing, viral marketing, digital marketing, um, that, you know, everyone is so fascinated internationally with the sphere and the spheres um, game plan is not to, I think, make their money off of U2 concerts and really expensive movies, but the advertising on the outside. And it Mm -hmm. is capable of some real bombastic stuff, as we all now realize, you know, it's really super cool. So, you know, the the idea was like, well, the, the sphere has definitely made this huge splash. So what's everyone else going to mm-hmm. do? And now we're seeing a, a greater commercialization of the iconic properties on the strip. Uh, uh. You know, the, the idea of wrapping a building is not new to Las Vegas. We have been seeing this for a very long time. Uh, any longtime Las Vegan can close their eyes and see the beaming faces of Donnie and Marie on the side of the Flamingo Hotel. Oh, those know. teeth. Those teeth. Those those <laughs> just pure. Blind. They haunt my dreams. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when there's sporting events or other, you know, Cirque du Soleil has been doing that on, on, on the buildings for a while. But now it's getting, like, way more commercial. And some people yep. are wondering about, you know, is this a good trend? Uh, the Delano uh, has a giant Pepsi uh, display on it right now really? as well. Uh, we're going to see a lot of this in, in, engaged with Super Bowl. Uh, in fact, I think the Delano's uh, Pepsi one is specifically and explicitly a, a Super Bowl type ad. And that's kind of where we are right now. I think every yeah. building that has that technology is possibly going to use it now. You know, I hadn't really thought it. This is silly of me, but I hadn't thought about this as like a lead up to Super Bowl advertising. Um, but the one that caught my eye a while ago is that people were upset that the the Paris' Lac de Triomphe was covered up with banners for Martha Stewart and Vanderpump Rules. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, this is a kind of a beautiful thing. We don't want it covered. Andrew, yeah. go, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that, that, that Figler pointed out something interesting. And what's different now, it seems to me, is that the sort of old school raps, uh, the Osmonds and, and Cirque, right. like at least those advertised something that was happening inside the property. Inside, and that like kind of goes Stewart. in the vein yeah. of the, right, right. Yeah, Vanderpump. And that kind of, you know, rhymes with, you know, learning from Las Vegas, you know, the seminal 1972 book that talked about the whole idea of yeah. the decorated shed. And I would advertise the contents mm. within. But now it's very detached and it has, says nothing about, you know, sense of place or, you know, the the sort of the the, yeah. the, the, the entertainment value offerings of the property. It's just like Doritos, Michelob. There's no Doritos Whoa. inside. You know, and so there's something weirdly detached. Andrew Crawley going deep. I love this. I know. Always. I did my homework. But yeah, there's something weird and sad and dystopian about the, the whole thing to see a gigantic Dorito driving down the strip. And there is. The, the Luxor was always my, one of my favorite buildings in town for its defiant, insistent blackness, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of sad. It was beautiful when it first came out. I mean, they have had ads on there before. I mean, they're not, this isn't a new thing for them, but this is pretty, I mean, covering the whole building like a Dorito, that was 
And I hate yeah. those smaller apps, like the the Michelob Light one. Like it just really does take something away from the architecture. I think that the bigger debate, like speaking of learning from Las Vegas, which, you know, put Las Vegas on the map as sort of an architectural center, is our architecture really so valuable that it matters if it's covered up in ads? What do we think? Oh, you know, it, that's a really interesting question. How valuable is the 2024 style of, you know, architecture on Las Vegas Boulevard? I don't know. You know, this is just, to me, as much as uh, I prefer the old school buildings of the 50s, 60s, 70s, before we turned into mega resort place, um, there's still something special and unique about all of those buildings, or uh, let me just say most of those buildings. And it Mm -hmm. does come off as crass commercialization. And I know that there's a lot of people saying, it's Las Vegas, but, you know, still it's our town. And it was like, yep. it reminds me of that trend that was going on when people could like shell out their own cars with full car wraps for whatever, and they would get paid a small stipend to oh, advertise yeah. butt cream or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's that like, was a thing. Where's your, where's your self respect, man? For a couple of dollars. Where's your dignity? You know? <laughs> We yeah, get like yeah. more visitors than or as many as like Paris and Venice. So like I do yeah. feel like that says something about maintaining the beauty of these structures, which are more complicated than the learning from Las Vegas days, which were literally like, you know, a, rec- a big brick building with amazing neon on the front. But like the architecture itself right. wasn't anything. Andrew, what are you thinking? Right. Yeah, I'm kind of like tracking with David and, and like part of me wants to, you know, sort of go on some kind of smart Dave Hickey jag and say like, <laughs> yeah, this kind of, you know, merging between architecture. Architecture and advertising is like an apotheosis or distillation of, you know, spectacle and, and you know, visual culture and capitalism in Las Vegas and America. But then mm. I look at it and I'm just like, no. And I never thought I'd be the kind of person to say, yeah, maybe like Vegas should operate at some minimum level of dignity. But, you know, here we are. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I say we should. You know, we we, we got to aspire to some kind of kind of standard. So yeah, it's it, it's a bit you know uh, you know d- disheartening to see and and uh, it, you know in some ways it kind of you know presages you know some kind of like dystopian cyberpunk you know environment to me where you know like and and one feature of that you know ethos is like advertising that you cannot escape right and that's the yeah. interesting thing yeah. about big advertising that you know that that it takes over the public space in a way where it feels invasive you know and 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 gross right okay so question you know what are is there a building in your hearts and minds that if it got totally wrapped uh uh what christo was it christo the rap building style um (laughs) in advertising you would be really upset about that andrew go um i would say like you know Hoover Dam, you know, might be off limits to me though. Though, though the the sight of a giant Dorito, oh. you know, holding in all that water is actually kind of an interesting spectacle. Yes. Now that I think about it, um, you know, it could be like a sponge. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, like Mister Clean, uh, the the melamine sponges or whatever. Um, you know, Smith Center, you know, cool building. Um, you know, some of those cool ones I think should be. Up. But but the, but the Luxor itself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I, I just want to ask, you know, just. Go back to black, right? And Christopher Hawthorne, the, the architecture critic, wrote, uh, I had him write an article for Desert Companion back in the day about his favorite building in Vegas. And he chose the Luxor. And that's kind of what made me fall it's in love cool. with the Luxor because he so cogently argued for its strange purity. Um, and maybe that's something we could, a thread that we could hold on to. David, what do you think? What what building or monument would break your heart to be a Dorito? You know, what's in my mind are the 
steady complaints that come whenever they put like sports jerseys on the statues over at Caesar's Palace or uh. on the Statue of Liberty um, replica over at New York, New York. Uh, but I, I think that the strip is not off balance because of what it is. What Strip City presents itself as is this sort of, you know, heart of American dark commercial exploitation and so Fair. all bets off literally you could pretty much do anything on the strip except one building on the strip i mm. i would be disheartened to see uh, a wrap for some product um on the uh, guardian angel cathedral that is oh. right there oh. behind the uh, the encore and and uh, the <laughs> i think really that would be bad low. although I will say this, if you've ever had the pleasure of going to that structure, which is just phenomenal, historic, important institution in Las Vegas, um, yeah. in the stained glass itself, there are images of the casinos of the day, which I think that's is just so fantastic cool. for a Catholic church. Oh, yeah. 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 But that's as far as I'll go with that. If it was wrapped, would it be sacrilegious or sacrilegious? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry, I'm done. Oh, I'm out on that. I love you, Andrew Crawley, <laughs> but you you just crossed the You're line. You're logging off. <laughs> logging off. Well, our producer loved it, so it's it is absolutely staying in. All right, so we are very casino focused today because our last story is about what is going to replace the Fiesta Henderson. Um, I'm sure that you too remember Fiesta Henderson as a very uh, uncomfortably racist, like African themed casino when it first opened. Uh, and then it sort of went to this like Fiesta, you know, carnival theme. Um, it closed in March of 2020 during the pandemic and did not reopen. Um, I have to say, though, I it, it tore my heart apart to see that sign come down because when I moved to Vegas, I arrived at night and it was like the first thing I saw hmm. as I was coming into my new neighborhood. And I do think it was an incredible piece of art. And the Neon tried to get it, they told me, and there was just like no contact. They just wanted to sell it for parts. So like, I do mm. really miss mm. that as a piece of art in this neighborhood, genuinely. But there is, now the whole casino is gone except for the parking garage. There's a lot of debate about what should be there. Actually, you know, not necessarily a lot of debate. The community says that they would like it to be a tournament style sports center and a focus on uh, family entertainment within that 35 acre complex. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would love to see a gym, which is very simple, but like that's a facility we don't have out here in Hendertucky. So it'd be nice to have something close. So question, like how often in, in both of yours experience are demolished casinos replaced with another casino or does something else usually go up in its space? Well, this is an interesting one because it's the city of Henderson that right. actually has a call out, you know, for a private-public partnership, I guess, of some sort, of, to try well, to develop something. It. They yeah. bought the space, so it's yeah. really theirs. And Henderson, honestly, does seem to be really good about engaging the public when it's making big moves like this. Yeah, nice. Uh, you know, it, it does. It gets disheartening uh, on the strip. Of course, when a casino goes down, typically it is replaced with a bigger casino. Uh, out in the community, we saw this with um, the Texas station. That wasn't the case. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, 
do we need to replace casinos with casinos? That's that's really super interesting question. What do you think? Yeah, Andrew? if the other casino didn't do well there, should another one go in? I, you see how I ducked that? I ducked that. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, companion, companion. Well, you know what? What what question I had, and and this may ref, uh, reflect how out of touch I am with Henderson, but is Henderson ready for you know a legitimate performing arts center? And you know, could it live Ooh, there? Oh, that's I know interesting. That's, that's sort of a serious, you know, serious, unserious answer. But um, you know, people are talking about a sports, uh, you know, watching kind of place. But um, but Henderson does a lot of cultural programming, you know, because we hit a, hit a yeah. lot of it on the on the website. And I'm like, yeah, what if there's a you know a centralized source for that that uh, worked in tandem with you know Water Street uh, Plaza Amphitheater, you know, things like that. Yeah. So that's one of my you know my my serious uh, proposals. I hope that is part of the idea of a family focused entertainment area. I feel like if we got something major, though, we'd be getting a lot of shit from the rest of Henderson over here Mm -hmm. at the end where the highways uh, conclude, um, which, of course, is which is unfair in a way. um, But it would be, you know, people would see it as not being centralized, perhaps. But I think it it would be really great for the community, the big population here. So that's the serious answer, perhaps. Uh, What are your unserious answers? What should replace the Fiesta Henderson? Um, I propose that it is a burial ground for all the unfortunate nicknames that have uh, beleaguered Henderson over the years. Thank you. Hender Tucky, Hendoville, yeah. Metherson. Yeah. I made that one up. Oh. But it sounds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hendonia, maybe. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of my, my proposals. And then, uh, yeah, how about you, David? Uh, I think that there should be a structure built uh, with discarded stations, players cards, all the little plastic <laughs> cards that nice. just wind up in the landfill. Um, there are probably millions of them, and I would love to see them constructed in a way that is sort of a pay-on to um, uh, all, all, all the wagers made and lost in, in stations, casinos by locals over the years. But it would Moment have to be silence. made of the players' cards themselves, yeah. Okay, so let's get uh, uh, more insane. More insane? <laughs> What? I have so a building the, built of players' cards. Come on, I, I, here, here's one on the on the on the on the sort of bur- burial theme. I uh, I have uh, aren't enough bad things buried in Henderson already? That's a contaminated oh. soil joke. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, all right. You asked for dark. Well, on that side, uh, if we're gonna go with the Henderson theme, I think there should be a virtual PepCon experience where oh, people nice. people can walk in to the building and and experience the the horror and terror of the uh rock of fuel uh building that blew up yeah. uh some 20 plus years ago 30 do you remember where you ago? were david uh i was in college watching it on tv i was Wild. i i felt the blast i was in the third floor of main hall at las vegas high school now las vegas academy and mr carlin's calculus class and the windows shuddered yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'll never forget yep. it. And uh, there was a lot yeah. of accounts. And it took with it a um, marshmallow factory, the kid marshmallow yes, factory. Yeah. The kid went marshmallow down. factory, the real uh, tragedy and, of the day. Yeah. Well, and thankfully, FOM Chocolate Factory, which is just down the way, wasn't impacted. Otherwise, there'd be s'mores for decades in the air. <laughs> I love it. I'm still stuck on like celebrating all the disasters in Henderson <laughs> over the years. 
have a have a three kids mine exhibit there too. Oh my God, Henderson, you're very good at burying your past, and I think it needs to be maybe a little more exposed we're, on this we're public space. We're an industrial space. community. Yeah. So, ra- ra- yeah, random question: Is there actually like a museum that commemorates, explores, you know, uh, you know, notes no. Henderson's role in World War II and all the industrial, you know, no. heavy lifting that it did? Because I mean, that most that would people be don't the... even understand why like the streets in this neighborhood are called things like Magnesium, right? In Victory, right. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe that, All right. you know. Henderson Museum, that's not unserious. That is serious, everybody. We Super deserve serious. it. And there's interesting I shit. Know. Like, oh, I shouldn't swear quite so much. You can. Um, all right, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you for coming out on this cold Always. day. And I'm sure I'll see you again soon. Awesome. Thanks again. Always fun being yeah. here. Always, I love Fridays. Fridays, Fridays. Fridays, Fridays baby. If you love CityCast Daily Newsletter and you want to work with this amazing team, you should apply for the newsletter editor job. Head over to citycast.fm slash jobs. The deadline is this Sunday, January 14th, and then we'll be reviewing applications. That's all for today here in CityCast Las Vegas. Our executive producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Mohammed. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, but not for long. Applications open until January 14th. And your hosts are David Figler and me, Sarah Lohman. Music is by OG Moose, Epidemic Sound, and all the kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, subscribe to our morning newsletter. You, you won't regret a single choice there. We'll be back Tuesday with more news from around the city. Take care. If you love the CityCast newsletter so much, why don't you make it yourself? Now we're talking. Apply now.